Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you out of the home office. The Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. And we got a real treat for you coming up. We have a former Oiler on the air. Joining us in a span of 29 seconds time as we go to our Oilers Now headliner brought to you daily by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk. That's W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Yes, I said a former Oiler, a former Nova Scotia Oiler. Also, a long time uh, radio analyst of the Toronto Maple Leafs, one of the funniest men in the business. We welcome back to Oilers Now, Jim Ralph. Hello, Jim. How are you doing? Good, Robert. I, I don't think there's a person in Edmonton that doesn't remember the big Moncton Halifax game in 84. I was a huge one, eh? Back in the day, right up there with, uh, I think Wayne got, I think Wayne got eight points on this date too. So it was right up there. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who Wayne is. Yeah, Sorry. just a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you did a uh, MC event. Was it at the All-Star game? And you had Gretzky at stitches from start to finish. Like, it was really uh, funny yeah. stuff. Well, well, actually, it's funny. It goes back when Wayne was playing in the Sioux for the Greyhounds and juniors one year there uh, when he was 16. I'm a year younger and, and practiced with him for a week. And uh, he remembered that all those years later. I, I thought that would be a stronger memory for me than him. But uh, Wayne's always been a bit of an encyclopedia when it comes to uh, who played where and uh, where they came from. So it, uh, we, we've had some uh, we've had some fun over the years for sure. Now speaking of fun, I'll tell you one of the first times I remember listening to you was at and we had Andy Moog on our pregame show last week. But I used to work in the reforestation industry, so I was often in worse uh, shape than many of the people you came across in Cape Britain <laughs> during your time there or in Nova <laughs> Scotia uh, in the, in the late 1990s. And you used to do Andy Moog's golf tournament, and you used to be Daryl Ray, and you and is it is it truly actually when you two guys would do the event? They they had people. In, they had to set up stands and bring in uh, bring in food uh, for people because you guys would, would go at it for about two hour, uh, two hours on the air and it was no holds bar. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, Ray and I always had a lot of fun, and we never really thought anybody took us seriously or, or why would they want to listen to us because uh, Razor and I actually roomed together in Halifax with uh, with Jeff Bookaboom. It was the three of us. So we, we, we just we would just sort of go off, but it wasn't uh, wasn't scripted and probably get us in a lot of trouble now. 
you know, with social media and everything else. But, uh, yeah, we, we just had fun. And, and Andy's such a wonderful person. Just uh, it really was an honor just to be invited to the golf tournament, uh, to be there, let alone, uh, you know, be, be any kind of central part of it. Now, was it you or Daryl Ray that did the uh, how or did the uh, Foster Hewitt impersonation? Uh, I did Foster. Uh, Razor did uh, Howie Meeker. He had, uh, was outstanding in uh, in the uh, nuances that were Howie Meeker. So I did the cherry impression, and, and Foster Hewitt and Razor did uh, Howie Meeker for us. Did you not do a Canada versus Russia one that ended up with red light Rassico? Uh No, that was. Uh, the setup for that one is, um, I think it was at the 98 Olympics, uh, where NHL players were allowed to play for the first time. So we had Foster Hewitt calling the game, and, and no, I can't do it over the phone. But the, uh, the, the lineups were Larry Onoff, Kozlov, Fedorov, uh, Zubov, Malikov on defense, and Stolenkov in goal for Russia. And for Canada, it was Ricci, Racky, Riki, and uh, Riche. <laughs> On the ice, so yeah, uh, try to do and play by play on that after a few beers. Yeah, well, it was pretty good. Let me tell you, back in the day, Jim Ralph joining us, uh, Maple Leafs radio analyst. I had a little bit of fun with the uh, with the fans in Toronto. I conceded that the Leafs dominated every aspect of the every facet of the game on Saturday night. I, I and I said, "Hey, Maple Leaf Nation are out on full bore on Twitter following the game." And then I said, "Can you imagine what it would be like if the Maple Leafs could make it to the Stanley Cup Finals?" And the fans could see it in color, as opposed to in black and white. But 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 really, I mean, I you know, look, it's it, it's been one of those situations. Toronto's actually had some like the two. Did you not think the two years against Boston, they had a puncher's chance to win either of those two series? Oh yeah, I mean, anytime you go to Game Seven, and I mean, three Game Sevens against Boston. I don't I don't know if 2013 you'd say they uh, they were a contender at that time, but. Uh, that's that's when they blew the four-one lead in the third period of Game Seven, and you know the other ones uh, just just seem to be uh, just seems to be one of those things where one team can't be the other. I mean, it was Calgary couldn't beat Edmonton until one Game Seven, uh, finally for the Flames. So, I mean, there's um, yeah, they had their opportunities, but I don't I don't know if you really looked at them as, as being a, a serious contender, even if they got by Boston in the first round. I think. You know, hopefully what you're seeing now is uh, a team that's maturing towards that. Uh, but you got to win one playoff series before uh, you can talk about Stanley Cup finals or anything else. Yeah, let me ask you this. Uh, you played the position. Are Leafs fans too hard on Freddie Anderson? Like, to me, he's a pretty good goalie. Yeah, he is. But I, but I think he's, he's like a lot of players where it's been the, the postseason failures that, that you're being judged upon now. And, and I think it's fair that... Uh, you know, you, I think everybody's in agreement that uh, he's had some outstanding regular seasons, and a lot of times he's been the most valuable player in being able to hold them in. And, you know, and when it comes to being hosted in the playoffs, he's probably one of the biggest disappointments for them. So I think it's, uh, I don't want to say too hard on him, but the expectations really on Freddie aren't going to be uh, until May if the Leafs find themselves in the postseason. Uh, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, I mean, 
you know, so much talk about Matthews versus Connor McDavid. Edmonton's two best players no longer play together a lot, five on five. That's McDavid and Dreisaitl. I know there's a lot of focus on Austin Matthews. I thought Marner might have been the best player in the ice on Saturday night. Uh, pretty special winger, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's, um, and, and it's funny, you know, they, they play together. And like you said, Dreisaitl and McDavid are split up and, and I was talking with my son, and, and I said, uh, how many people in Toronto, when, and this was more around the, um, I don't know if you want to call it controversy or criticism about William Nylander, but I said, you know, you've got Nylander and Tavares, you've got Matthews and Marner. I said, not many people off the top of their head could say right now who Connor McDavid's playing with or who Dysettle's playing with. You know, you, you'd have to look it up or you'd have to go back over some previous games, but... Uh, that's why I think the expectations are higher because, you know, the numbers that, uh, you know, especially Dreisaitl puts up with, uh, you know, guys moving in and out of the wing slot beside him, I think is incredible. So I think that's where the uh, uh, Marner and Matthews are a great combination. But um, when it comes to Mitch Marner, he played with James Van Riemsdyk a few years ago and Van Riemsdyk had a career high in goals and he played with Tavares who had a career high in goals. So it's no surprise that, uh, you know, having Austin Matthews on a regular basis shows Matthews hitting career highs and goals scored, too. Uh, look, you've been around the game a long time. How many other guys have you come across that can shoot the puck like Matthews? Uh, yeah, it's special. But I, I think what you're finding now, Bob, is uh, it seemed like his first couple of years, every goal was under the crossbar. And it, and it was a little toe drag under the crossbar. And then he wanted to work on his one-timers. So now you're seeing him scoring one-timers. Now you're seeing him score five-hole uh, along the ice. So um, I think that's what's been amazing of, of his progression, even though he had that knack, obviously, you know, um, 40 goals in his rookie season. Uh, he's doing it different ways. And I think that's that's what makes him even more dangerous now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll get to some of the speed that they have a little bit further down the lineup, but I want to just talk about getting some gamesmanship with veterans like Joe Thornton, uh, Spezza coming in last year, adding Simmons, who's out right now, Bogosian on defense, who's done some things at the, you know, here in Edmonton that towards the end of the game, sending a, a message about you know how difficult today is going to be to play against them. Even Muzzin, who's a very good player, two-time Stanley Cup champion. But th- those, those guys are experienced, and they know how to play, and they bring a different type of leadership to the Toronto group, don't they? Yeah, but I think, too, Bob, they're good guys, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes when you talk about a, a team losing their a coach losing the dress, you know, or uh, you have players unhappy about ice time. I mean, these guys have a pretty positive for Jason Spezza to come in and, and take the league minimum and, uh, and just go out and play because he loves it. And he always wanted a chance to play in Toronto. Uh, how can you not admire that at this stage in his career? And it's not about uh, complaining about not getting more five-on-five ice time or more power play time, even though he's been on the second unit most of the year. Uh, he's having a ball. And I, I think Joe, Joe Thornton's very similar, uh, that they're, they're great character guys that, that want to play here. Yeah, well, and it's, it's obviously benefited them. Who do you think's got a better chance to be a top-six player down the road, McKayev or Engvall? Uh, I'm going to say McKayev. For the wing, and I think Engvall, you know, you'd have to move him to the wing, and, and, and to me, he looks better at center, which uh, is what we saw him on Saturday when he had a, I think a season high in ice time by the time it was uh, all said and done. But uh, McKayev's got, uh, if he could ever find a way to finish, 
uh, you know, I think I'll be something. But I, I think because he's a big guy, that his, um, his speed is probably underrated. But uh, he seems to be able to get in on the floor check, and he's got that move off the boards where he can just power around defensemen. And, you know, there probably aren't a lot of power forwards like that in the league anymore. Uh, but you can see him do it, but it, it just <laughs> doesn't seem to matter, uh, you know, how he gets there. He's, he's really had a tough time finishing this year. We're joined right now by longtime Maple Leafs radio analyst Jim Ralph, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. Jim, I'm going to totally switch focus. Uh, Rob Brown is part of our Oilers radio network broadcast. He played for uh, Gene Ubriaco, uh early in his NHL career, and Gene told him he was allowed to take two match penalties a year and they'd find a way to kill him off because uh, he wanted Rob to protect himself, and Rob is a smaller guy. That required uh, a little bit of stick work, uh, which was maybe what you kind of had to do. What do you remember about being a part of the 1983-84 Baltimore Skipjacks uh, Hockey Club? Uh, obviously, they, I think they had one of the Carlsons playing there at the time, but uh, any special moments for playing with legendary coach Gene Ubriaco? Yeah, and well, one of the things is uh, Gene's from Sault Ste. Marie as well. Yep. As me. The, um, like I said, I was uh, being drafted by Chicago um, I've got the uh, the tag of being the second best left-handed goalie from Sault Ste. Marie to ever play in Chicago's system. <laughs> but uh, Uvi knew a lot of people that I knew growing up, so there was sort of a comfort level there. But, um, yeah, Steve Carlson, who was, uh, had had most of the lines in the movie Slapshot, Carly was, uh, uh, I would say, quiet funny. Uh, he had a devious mind and... Um, you know, the, some of the stuff he'd do in the dressing room or on the bus or when we were on the road, um, most of which I can't really divulge, but he had, uh, he was twisted, not at all like the character that he played in the movie, but he just had a, a very, uh, warped sense of humor. And then, you know, Phil Bork, I still see around, uh, Borky doing the games, you know, like you and I do Bobby's and in, in Pittsburgh doing those games and went on to win two cups with the Penguins. But it was, uh, it was a first-place team, and it was funny because the Penguins were a last-place team looking for the first overall pick. So not a lot of guys in the first-place team in the American League got a chance in Pittsburgh, who uh, eventually did get the first-round pick, and Mario Lemieux came with it. You guys did your part. You had, by the way, the goalie you're uh, mentioning from Sault Ste. Marie for our listeners was Tony Esposito. Um, I think that was kind of a given, but uh, I digress. For You also had a guy on that team that could really fight, a big, rangy guy, Benoit Wolf. For the old schoolers that like to hop on YouTube and see Craig Cox fight Benoit Wolf and uh, Craig played for the St. Albert Saints back in the day, he could look after himself. I mean, there were a lot of guys that could do that back then, but he was one of them. Yeah, and the, the great thing with Bennett was he, uh, when he came to the bench, if we took a penalty, uh, he'd be the he'd stay out for the penalty kill, and he'd come to the bench and he'd ask the trainer uh, for a stick, and he'd say solid ash. He had a solid ash stick that wouldn't break; like he could just whack and slash guys in front of the net. Wow. So he actually switched sticks, uh, and it was it was probably more like a piece of lumber than than a stick. And uh, that's what Wolfie do; he just go stand in the front of the net, and um, we call him the hack, whack, and slash guy. Yeah, they had. Yet was Rizzling with that team as well at that time. I, uh, I, I didn't play with Riz, but uh, yeah, he was he was on the shuttle. Uh, yeah. the years before and then the years after. For sure. Yeah, because yeah, he had two hundred. You know what? He he uh, played 
how about the, how about these numbers in Pittsburgh that season? Because he played part of the year at Baltimore, but 297 penalty minutes in 47 games. He's an Edmonton guy, or grew up in Saskatoon, but played with the Edmonton Oil Kings. A little bit undersized, but he was. Oh, who was the guy that played for the Islanders, uh, New Jersey? Uh, eight. Uh, uh, Howitt. Jerry Hart. Gary uh, Hart. Or no, uh, Gary Howitt. That's Gary Howitt, yeah, he was a bit like him, wasn't he? I think Howitt was maybe a little bit better fighter, but Risling was yeah, a pretty competitive yeah, player. Jerry Jerry Hart was a defenseman. Yeah, Gary Howitt was number eight. Yeah, he was a tough guy. Boy, how, how old? How old are we? I feel well, like we're going through our hockey card collection. Well, the thing is, you actually have a hockey card. I just was the guy that had to buy and purchase them. So there you have it. Uh, hey, hey, I got I got a I got a coupon for a free bowl of soup on the back of my hockey cards. So I'm not. It's not like my kids are that impressed with it. <laughs> awesome stuff, Jim. Love having you on the show. Thanks for your time, my man. All right, Bobby. We'll see you soon. I hope. I I hope so. And miss those uh, trips uh, back and forth. Thanks for your time. That is Jim Ralph, longtime Toronto Maple Leafs uh, radio analyst, works with Joe Bone. It's one forty nine, and when we come back on Oilers Now, we'll get to this day in Oilers history, and it was a great one. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on six thirty, Chet. Zach, the Oilers and the Leafs tonight. It's 151 in Edmonton. That's an 8 o'clock puck drop. Later start. I know I've had some people suggest to me, Bob, the 5 o'clock starts in Edmonton favor Toronto. The later starts favor the Oilers. We'll see if that ultimately comes to fruition. Brendan, uh, I mentioned Jim Ralph playing for the Baltimore Skipjacks. Do you know the Bob Stoffer connection to uh, the Baltimore Skipjacks? I, I don't. Throughout the 1980s, uh, with all due respect to Mr. Hall, uh, to Brian Hall, the guy that had the best uh, sports show in the city, uh, was Edmonton sporting icon John Short. And during the 1985-86 season, uh, my handle, whenever I came on John's show, I used to call into John's show all the time as a 19-year-old kid, uh, was I, I would want to open up because he used to have Don Horwood on, and Don would go on uh, basketball, and I so I would I, I then decided to have a little bit of fun. I said, uh, hey, you know, John, I, I realized Wayne Gretzky had eight points tonight, but I'd like to talk about the Baltimore Skipjacks, and that was sort of the reoccurring theme over because they were like the, the, the toughest team in uh, in minor pro hockey at that time. And we went with that that entire year. So every time I'd call in, I'd uh, quickly uh, hit on the skipjacks and then get on to the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club. So uh, um, listened uh, and learned a lot uh, listening to the John Short uh, back in the day. This text comes in saying, Bob, I loved on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, I loved watching Jim Ralph and Daryl Ray back in my U of A days when they hosted this week. Uh <laughs> In the American Hockey League. Uh, that comes to us from Russell in the north side. Um, keep texting us. This text comes in saying, Oil out hit us 41-21 Saturday, so the physical game didn't help. Isn't Marner about the same size as McDavid? No, there's a difference of about three inches or four inches. I think Marner's about five nine and a half, and Connor's a solid six foot one. Again, you can text us at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. 
Uh, Randy says, Bob, it was one game against a top division team. The Leafs were not going to underestimate the Oilers like they did in the first season series. See how the oil respond. Let's not be Flames fans and get scraped knees by climbing on and off the bandwagon. I have not got that gut feel uh, from the fan base. I think people say, okay, it's a one-off. Now, if Toronto blasts Edmonton tonight, we might have a little bit different uh, focus in that regard. Okay, here we go to the, uh, where are we going to go? This Day in Oilers History, it is brought to you by Jason and Dennis Lollaberti at New West Travel. Here's Brendan Escott. On this day in 1988, Wayne Gretzky picks up a first period assist to pass Gordy Howe as the NHL's all-time leader in career assists. Howe had 1,049 assists in 26 years. Gretzky posted 1,050 in nine years. The Oilers won that game uh, against the Kings 5-3, but Bob, it didn't stop there, as we know. Gretzky registering 913 more assists than that uh, before hanging up a skate. He had three three more seasons of 100 or more assists in a year. It's crazy stuff. Uh, we will tell you this, that uh, coming up after the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell, we will have 6.30 chat afternoon news as Alberta added more than 300 new COVID cases yesterday. Some physicians in the province say they remain concerned about a potentially premature approval of Stage 2's reopening plan. Former Chief Medical Officer of uh, Health for the Government of Alberta, Dr. James Talbot, will join Jalen Nye. Welcome back, Jalen. Uh, after the 2 o'clock news. News. Tomorrow, Mark Spector for Horse Racing Alberta. And a reminder that our province's horse racing and breeding industry have introduced new safety protocols with thorough vet checks, stricter rules, tougher penalties. Employing Albertans caring for our horses, Horse Racing Alberta. And Wisconsin head coach, Dylan Holloway's head coach, longtime NHLer, Tony Granato. The face-off show, the Oilers and the Leafs, tonight from Rogers Place, 6 p.m., puck drop at 8, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.